Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. God's Word for today is written in the 8th chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Romans, beginning at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, by the presence of your word in our ears this morning, uh, speak to us, your baptised, dearly loved people, in the name of Jesus, the resurrected Lord. Amen. Friends, bonfires are great things. Part of the culture here in the valley, very nice to be part of a bonfire when they happen. This happened on Friday night. We had a bonfire. It was great to be around a big bonfire with young people, children, adults uh, at the Rowanfeld property, just in case you were wondering. It was one of our youth meetings this year. And as we stood around the bonfire on a beautiful crisp night after the rain on Friday, we uh, reflected on the Holy Spirit as fire and flame and wind. And it was interesting because you could feel the glow of the bonfire, of course, and if you got too close, you'd feel more than the glow, wouldn't you? You'd be char-grilled if you got too close. But we gathered, and the thing about a bonfire and with God's people standing around a fire is that people's faces are lit up around the bonfire. And so as we stood around the bonfire contemplating the New Testament description of the Holy Spirit as fire and flame and warmth and glow, we saw it in the fire, but we saw it in each other's faces as well. We did an exercise, a a little thing we did. We got everybody to stand as close as they could to the bonfire without becoming a kebab. And then we asked people to slowly withdraw from the bonfire as far as they could go when the heat stopped. And it was quite a distance because Stewie had made a good bonfire. So it was quite a distance. And then we just briefly reflected on what it was like to be close together around the fire and feel the warmth and the glow, and what it was like to be way out in the cold and in the dark alone. And the two places were very different. And we reflected on that as people of God in a church, 
needing to stay close to the spirit, to the flame, to the fire. Because as we know, life can be these things, can't it? Life can be cold and life can be alone and life can be doubting and life can be at times quite confusing even for the spirit-filled, loved child of God. What about it, friend? What about it when it feels like the flame of the Holy Spirit is just not with you? What about when you just can't see the flame? Uh, You can't sense the flame is at work around you or in you. And as someone shared at a conference I was at during the week, I feel stuck. I feel stuck, he said. This is a pastor speaking. What about when times are like that? When we can't, or maybe when we won't sense or trust that God's Holy Spirit is at work and active in us and around us. It seems to me that when we find ourselves a long way from the bonfire and it's quite cold and we feel quite alone and it's quite dark, we can easily give up on the belief and the truth that God's Holy Spirit is active still in our life and around us. I guess that's what happens, doesn't it? When we're a long way away from the flames, or at least we think we are a long way away from the flame of God's Holy Spirit. I guess that happens because, I don't know, why does it happen? Because we're fearful of something? Or maybe we're just doubting everything? Or maybe we've been damaged and hurt and we're still recovering. Or maybe we're looking around in the dark trying to grab onto something to give us some warmth and some place and some light and some clarity about what's happening to us. Maybe we're looking for idols to do that for us. Maybe we give up on the truth that we really are baptised and loved children of God, our Heavenly Father. It's easy to dismiss this reality, to not believe this, to not believe that God is involved with us and still leading us. It's just how it happens sometimes. And when we think we're alone in our day, having to churn out the good works to keep God happy or to keep ourselves happy or to fulfil other people's expectations, it's very easy to return to a kind of a slavery, really, of trusting only ourselves and our ability relying on our idols to keep us going somehow, uh, to rely on ourselves for our decisions and our day and our dreams. And that puts us right back into the murky world of fear and self-centeredness and what Paul speaks of in that second reading, timidity, timid in the face of bearing witness for Jesus among our, our community. And so by walking away, from the flame, in whatever way we do that from time to time, walking away from the belief and the faith and the trust that God's Holy Spirit is with us and in us and working on our behalf and changing us and enlivening us, we kind of lose the voice, don't we? We lose that beautiful voice of which St. Paul speaks in that Romans text. The Spirit's voice that cries, Abba, Father, or in our language, Papa, Daddy, so close is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. 
But in our cold fear and our disconnected doubt, we sense or we even believe that we're fatherless and that we are loveless and that we are isolated and that we are alone in the world and alone in our calling to be his disciples. And as a result, and we talked about this at the bonfire, we kind of sometimes sense that we're, instead of Abba Father, inflamed by the Holy Spirit and alive and fully functioning and all of that and enlivened, we're like one of those coals that's stuck out on the edge of the fire going out bit by bit because it's lost connection with the flame. That's how life can be sometimes. So to live out your calling to be alive and to be aglow and to be functioning bearers of the joy and the resurrection and the life of the Lord Jesus in our veins, sharing the love and hope of Jesus with everyone as we have committed ourselves to do here, if that's to happen, then we need to hear and we need to see and we need to sense and, yes, even to feel the experience of the warming of the Holy Spirit in our heart, in our spirit. We do, as Christians, to be fully alive and fully aware and fully joy-filled and bold witnesses to the grace of God in the person of Jesus, the Saviour, and to hear that cry, Abba, Father, and live from that relationship and have that word shape our day, we need to belong and we need to be in contact and we need to be in close vicinity to the flame of the Holy Spirit. And that's the truth of it. But where? How? When? And by what means? Do we have to reach some super-duper spiritual place in order to be close to the flame of the Holy Spirit working in our lives? Do we have to achieve certain good behaviour and be very, very good to be in the Spirit's zone or to be close to the Holy Spirit or to have the Holy Spirit shaping us and leading us and giving us all the gifts that he pours out, patience, peace, kindness, understanding, forbearance, etc. Is it all about achieving a good behaviour to receive those things? Or do we have to understand mysteries, great mysteries? Do we have to acquire certain, very hard to find wisdom to place ourselves in the right space and to be in the right place to receive the gifts and the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit to live this life? I suppose you know what I'm going to say. No, no, and no. We don't need that. We do not have to reach some super spiritual place. We do not have to achieve some great super duper spiritual good works or acquire some amazing spiritual wisdom and knowledge to hear the cry of the Holy Spirit telling us that we are still dearly loved sons and daughters of God, the Almighty Creator, who is our Papa, our Heavenly Father. You've just heard it. Before we are spiritually aware, 
before we are perfect in good deeds and before we're wise to the ways of God, the Spirit comes to us. He comes to us in the grace and the power of Jesus' resurrection. Just as he did to Peter on the day of Pentecost and all the other disciples and all the other people around that community, the Spirit came and it was a surprise. They weren't good enough for it. They weren't wise enough for it. They weren't spiritually aware enough for him to come. He came in grace and power because we're the children of God. So what does the Spirit do? What does the Spirit do? Well, I guess we should all know as good Lutherans at least three things, if we were to sort of put them all in a big basket and, and summarise the who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. What does he do? He calls us, he gathers us, and he enlightens us. Luther's small catechism. The Spirit calls us from our darkness and our idolatry and our aloneness and our disobedience and our rebelliousness and our death and our doubt. And he calls us to light and to life and to power to overcome any obstacle in our day. He does this when uh, those things still entangle us. He doesn't wait till we're pretty perfect. He's with us in our darkness. The Spirit gathers us. Doesn't he gather us? He places us on the knee of our Heavenly Father, where we bounce to our heart's content, in joy, at being with our Heavenly Father and being together in Him. The Spirit enlightens us. He expands our horizons, teaches us the narrow way of faith of a disciple of Jesus. And He does this amazingly in everyday experiences. I'm sure you've experienced that in your Christian journey. The everyday experiences, sometimes the Holy Spirit causes a light bulb to go on, an aha moment, or maybe it's after the event quite a long time when we reflect on what's happened to us. The Spirit enlightens us, takes us on a journey that we're not expecting, opens us up to things that we didn't know and we haven't experienced. He walks with us to offer wise counsel, and who here doesn't need wise counsel? And who here doesn't need real practical help? We, we all need that. And this is what the Holy Spirit does and promises to do. To make us into a community that is light. That is the light. So how does he do that? How does the Holy Spirit act in your life? Have you pondered that? We pondered that at Grumpy Men yesterday morning in our breakfast meeting. And we had some interesting stories about who the Holy Spirit is and how he acts in our life. How does the Holy Spirit act in your life, friend? How does he work? How has he worked? How is he working now? Well, I guess you'd have to say from the New Testament, by the wind, the wind and the breath of the word blowing through our minds, spirits and bodies. The Spirit of the Lord is the Word of the Lord and the Word of the Lord is the Spirit of the Lord. One and the same. Apart from the Word of God, spoken, preached, shared, prayed, sung, lived out, by everyday people, there is no faith. There is no belonging. There is no church. There is no St. Petri. With the Word, the Spirit-breathing, living Word, active in us as we sing the Word and pray the Word and speak the Word, proclaim the Word, 
dwell in the word, well then there's calling and there's gathering and there's enlightenment for the mind and for the heart. The spirit of the word, the spirit of the Lord is the word of the Lord and vice versa. Poured over our heads in that baptismal font. Heard in our ears in those beautiful words of absolution. Heard in our ears and tasted as we share the body and blood of Jesus in that beautiful meal we share. Prayed to our Father in heaven in in whose name we gather as we utter those ancient words in the liturgy that have stood the test of time for 2,000 years. So can you see this morning as you came to St. Petri and can you see now as we sit here together that you are always being called, you are always being gathered and you are always being enlightened by the word of the Holy Spirit and that is how it is. Will you trust that as you gather with everyone else here in large and small ways at St. Petri, the Holy Spirit is offering you wise counsel and guidance and power to overcome that thing and to overcome that situation. Power to live this life and make you fully free and fully alive like a little child being bounced on Dad's knee together. And what's the Holy Spirit doing at St. Petri? That's a good question. What is he doing at St. Petri? What's he doing with St. Petri people? Well, St. Petri, surely the community that is called, gathered and enlightened by the flame of God's grace, by the power of God's dynamite, dunamis in Greek, another word to describe the Holy Spirit, dynamite, rushing through our minds and hearts. What shall we do, you and I, to fan into flame the work the Spirit is already doing? What shall we do? What shall we do with this fire in the belly that the Spirit is creating in our community? And I can tell you that he is. There's a groundswell here. It's a good groundswell. I know what we have to do. I think you do too. Mission. The church only has one task, mission. That's what we shall do with the fire in our heart, the fire in our mind, the enlightenment the Spirit gives, the calling that he gives to us. That's what we'll do. We'll do the Lord's mission, the missio dei, the mission of God. We'll pull together and we will engage in the work of bearing witness to the flame who holds us together. And we will work while it is still day to be instruments of the Holy Spirit, calling, gathering and enlightening people into the holy community of God, the one and only local Christian church. That's our task. The church only ever has one task, to draw others to the flame, to be the flame in those far-out cold places, to be together so we can be apart So we can be together again with a few more people. The flame is burning here, friends. Indeed it is. Things are on the move at St. Petri. The Spirit's wind of change is upon us. Here's the Spirit's question to you. Here's the Spirit's invitation to you and to us. What is God calling us as his community of the Spirit 
to do specifically in our place in these times? What is God calling us to do as his community of the Spirit to do specifically in our place at this time? That's the question on our minds as a leadership group and the question that we are faithfully seeking the Spirit's counsel on. Will you join us? Will you ask that question? What is God calling us to do as the community of the Holy Spirit specifically in our place at this time? Will you seek that question with us? And when you seek that question... Will you share it among us? There'll be ways to do that coming up in the next few months. What specifically is the Spirit wanting to make of us as a local Lutheran Christian church in Europe, Barossa Valley, South Australia? We can't lose, you know. We can't lose. Even if we take some risks and we get it wrong from time to time, we still can't lose. Because Jesus is the head of his church, not me and not you. And he promises, what does he promise when you're baptised? I will be with you to the very end of the age. He's been with us so far, he'll be with us at the end. So we can't lose. He will stay because he's said he will stay and he is faithful and he will do it. We can't lose. What is the Holy Spirit saying to us about our mission to be a celebrating people sharing the love and hope of Jesus with everyone. What is he saying in these days to you? I want to know. We want to know. We need to know. We need to talk. We need to pray. We need to know. What might the Holy Spirit be calling you to be and to do in your church? Older, younger, newer, longer, saint, sinner, man, woman, Powerful, weak, known, unknown, lonely, connected. What might the Spirit be calling you to be and to do in these days, in our church, in this community of the Holy Spirit? What gifts has he given you for service in the mission of God that we share right now? Why has he placed you here now? And why has he kept you here now? Or why did he bring you here now? And there's new people coming our way most Sundays. What changes is the Holy Spirit nudging you, prompting you to make, both personally but also here? What wind of change is blowing through your mind and your heart? Young person? Child? Retiree? What have you noticed around the place? What are you thinking about your church these days? What's blowing through your mind and through your heart about St. Petri and the journey we share? Boy, I'd like to know that. So friends, as far as we can tell, it is time. I'm not Gough Whitlam. I know back in the 70s that was their election slogan. It's time, it's time. But it is time. It's time. It is time. It is time to pray, and it is time to talk, and it is time to think, and it is time to commit. And it's time to commit to one thing, or many things, but a very important thing. It's time to commit to trust. 
It's time to commit to trusting each other and more than that, trusting the Holy Spirit. Trusting the Word of God. Living in the Word more than you live out of it. It's time to think. It's time to pray. It's time to trust. Trust the Spirit's promise that He wants to make of us a lot. He does. He does. So I guess all we can do is pray. Spirit of living God, come. Come Holy Spirit. Come to us, your people here, and show us the ways in which you're making us even more a community of people living in the last days who do indeed live in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, calling, gathering, enlightening. Jesus, make us people, make us a place where anyone and everyone can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au